Hi everyone, Pete Sardis here again for The Lawyer You Know. We are talking week 11 of the Elizabeth Holmes Theranos trial going on. Big news this week. I'm going to go through all of the highlights of the testimony for the previous week. We're going to talk about some technical issues that the court had and we're also going to make some predictions. But before I make those predictions, we're going to talk about what I think is going to be the biggest news of the week and we'll talk about that in a second. As always, if you like the video, click like. If you're enjoying the series and the rest of the stuff that we do for you all at The Lawyer You Know, please subscribe to our channel. And again, please leave me questions and comments below so I can talk to you about the things that you want to hear. That being said, please, by the time you see this video, I'll actually be in my own federal trial this week. So if we're a little bit delayed in actually responding to your questions, please give me a little bit of latitude because I am actually in court this week. So with that, let's talk about what happened this week. First witness that took the stand is a person by the name of King Shuck Dash. And Dr. Dash is a former UCLA professor. He is a pathologist and he came on board the Theranos sometime in late 2015 after the Wall Street Journal story broke about the issues going on in Theranos. His job, he testified, was to clean up the lab and he had received a Medicare he had received a Centers of Medicare and Medicaid uh, audit report, which had been done in late 2015. That audit report had 121 pages of deficiencies that the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid classified as deficient practices of the laboratory, which pose immediate jeopardy to patient health and safety. Uh, so that was, he says, his number one priority. Uh, for those of you that don't know or are not aware, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid in the U.S. is the agency that deals with government-paid medical benefits and medical bills. So they come in and do an audit to make sure that things are working the way that they expect them to work for the health and safety of patients. So what does Dr. Dash tell us? Dr. Dash tells us he comes on board. His job is to clean all this stuff up. And in the course and scope of doing so, he recognizes that there's a lot of issues with a lot of Edison machine tests. In part of his evaluation, Dr. Dash tells Elizabeth Holmes that he wants to invalidate a number of test results for the Edison machine. To be specific, somewhere between 50 and 60,000 results. His testimony was that Elizabeth Holmes really didn't push back so hard on the invalidation of the results, but she didn't like the way that Dr. Dash was characterizing the uh, invalidations. She didn't want it to be a hardware issue where the Edison machine results were not good. She wanted it to be a quality control issue, meaning that they went back and looked at test results to make sure that they were providing quality samples for their patients. Dr. Das um, basically called BS on that and said he was looking at results of women who had come back positive for prostate antigens. And he said this is a was of particular concern, and this is a quick anatomy lesson, because women don't have a prostate. That is a man-only gland that exists only in the male part of our species. So when he confronted Elizabeth Holmes with that, her response was, the results are demonstrating a rare form of breast cancer in women. Dr. Das's response on the stand is that is very implausible for that to be true. So that's the extent of his testimony. Finally, he basically said that, in his opinion, the Edison machine wasn't working from day one. And the truth of the matter is, 
from the time that they started until the time that he took over and was there from 2015 to 2018, even though he was hopeful that they would get this uh, hardware to work, at the end of the day, it, it never was functional. And in fact, they did not use the Theranos Edison machine to run blood samples on after uh, the 2015 timeframe. All right. Second person that testified last week uh, was a person by the name of Alan Eisenman. Mr. Eisenman is a retired money manager whose family personally put in about $1.2 million in Theranos. His testimony was that he actually had met with Elizabeth Holmes and as part of the enticement to get him to come on board, he was told the names of some of the board of directors that were going to be on Theranos that she personally shared with him some revenue projections, somewhere between 40 and $200 million of annual revenue. And to be clear, uh, this is back in the 2006 timeframe and the revenue projections he was uh, being given were over the next, you know, five, six, seven years. Just from a frame of reference, Theranos didn't actually ever make a profit, uh, let alone 40 to $200 million. He was also told that there were a lot of pharmaceutical companies that had contracts with Theranos lined up so Theranos would be providing blood samples for them. Uh, and, and if you remember some of our previous videos, we've talked about the reports that were made that had Pfizer's logo on them that were sent to Walgreens when Pfizer didn't actually uh, purport to, um, to agree to any of the results coming out of the Edison machine. So that's the stuff that he was provided. He indicated, which was I think very interesting, he had quarterly personal meetings, telephone calls with Elizabeth Holmes to talk about how the company was going. In the course of the years that he and his family had an investment, he said every quarter he would call, she would talk to him, give him projections, updated numbers, everything seemed to be going okay. He says this changed sometime in 2010. And what he said was that in 2010, he basically sent an email to set up the next quarterly meeting and got an email. Um, the email, he said, was from Elizabeth Holmes, and the email said, and I'll actually read it for you. As you know, we don't do quarterly calls with our investors, many of whom invested greater amounts than you did, and I cannot commit to an exact quarterly schedule going forward. As discussed in our call in March, we cannot provide the level of communication you keep requesting, which he thought was odd since he'd been getting all of this information every quarter since he invested back in 2006. So kind of did a little bit more digging, sent a couple more, uh, more emails. He received another email from Elizabeth Holmes that said, given your frustration level and our frustration level with this interaction, I strongly encourage you to reconsider the opportunity to realize the return on your investment. From his perspective, he said, they told him they were going to give him his money back to just go away. In fact, his testimony was that Sonny Balwani had mentioned that they would give him, wait for it, five times his money. So from $1.2 million, um, you know, almost, not almost, $6 million back to just go away. He was taken aback by that, but at that point he says he did not take up the opportunity to get his money back and obviously receive a five-time return. He left the, the money in the company and actually invested some more money. Ultimately, he said when he was communicating with the company, he started getting a lot of flack from Sonny Balwani, who he characterized as very angry and very aggressive. And at some point, he received an email from Mr. Balwani, and that email said, your emails are insulting, full of inaccurate statements, and wasteful of our time. Our next response to this email and all your future emails will come from counsel. So again, kind of a nasty way to treat one of your investors, even though it's only a you know, million, 
you know, million and a half dollars, whatever he invested, still you don't speak to your investors this way, regardless if they're your top investor or your bottom investor. Other than that, uh, not really much testimony that I thought was enthralling, but there were some interesting things that happened throughout the week. The first of which was a technical glitch that uh, caused about a two and a half hour delay in the trial, apparently. And I'll just share with you, those of you that have never been inside of a federal courtroom, the federal courthouses are set up with technology. The technology is normally a, a combination of a projector system with um, either something called a, an ELMO, which is a uh, projector, uh, a digital projector. And they also have connections, obviously, for all kinds of computers and peripheral stuff. That way, as a lawyer, we can present things to the jury uh, in an efficient way inside the courtroom. Apparently, this electronic system went down this week, causing about a two and a half hour delay. And to Judge Davila's credit, he kind of nipped that in the butt real quick, went downstairs and had the tech team bring up an old school projector, hooked up a lamp, turned off all the lights, and the prosecutor wound up presenting documents on an old style um, you know, overhead projector screen. The problem being it's a very different presentation method than what is normally uh, in that courtroom, meaning the jurors have individual screens, the witnesses have individual monitors that they can see what's going on up close, as opposed to just looking at it far away on the overhead screen. This didn't have that capability, so they were uh, the jurors were watching this all on the overhead screen. One juror actually raised his hand and said, Judge, I'm sorry, I gotta go back and get my glasses. So they took an adjournment, went back, uh, he got his glasses, and they continued the presentation on Tuesday. Everything was back working on Wednesday, so that was just a one-day glitch. But, you know, I'll tell you from a guy that's tried cases, you hate when that happens. Actually, because of my trial coming up this week, when you'll be watching this, I'll be in trial. I went to the courthouse last Friday and I made sure that our technology, our iPads and all of our equipment was functioning within the courthouse just to make sure everything uh, would go smoothly for the jury. So the biggest news of the week. Before the jury went out for the long Veterans Day weekend, the prosecutor announced that they're going to rest their case this week. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the prosecution is ending their case this week. We'll see who they call, and they've also requested from the defense the courtesy of being provided the names of the witnesses that the defense intends to put on. So we anticipate that this is going to be probably a couple days next week since Judge Davila had actually announced this was going to be a marathon week, meaning they were going to have trial all five days. There were going to be extended times uh, each day that they would be listening to testimony to make up for all the lost time for you know all the issues that we've had in the past, including obviously this technical issue. There was a pipe that burst in the courthouse a few weeks ago that caused a delay. Uh, actually, the pipe didn't burst in the courthouse. A pipe burst somewhere in the city, so the courthouse didn't have any water, to be more accurate. Obviously, we've had issues with jurors that they had to deal with in sidebar conversations with the lawyers to kind of work out some of the details. So the marathon schedule seems to not be something that's going to be in place since the, the prosecutor is going to arrest their case, which I think is interesting. Uh, and let's talk about that for a second. The prosecution put out a 200-person witness list. They've only put on, by my count, 24 witnesses in the last 10, 11 weeks. So who do you think they're going to put on for the last few days? Your guess is as good as mine, but I'll make some predictions so we can kind of see where this goes. Let's talk first. Do you think that the government is going to call Tyler Schultz? If you remember, Tyler Schultz is one of the whistleblowers in the Theranos case. He is also the, um, the grandson of Greg Schultz, 
who is the former Secretary of State, and he was on the board of directors at Theranos. Me personally, I made this prediction a long time ago in our earlier videos. I don't think the government's going to call him. And the reason I don't think the government's going to call him is, number one, he comes from a very prominent family, and normally those people in prominent political positions do not like to be called as witnesses. Uh, number two, I think he was very vocal early on. I think he went on a lot of media and very highly publicized rants that can be used against him if the information he was putting out there back then was inaccurate. So I think from the prosecutor's perspective, the risk of putting him on the stand does not justify the cannon fodder that he might receive on the way back. Now, could they call him? Absolutely, he's on the witness list. Beyond that, what is the defense going to do? Are they going to call Elizabeth Holmes? Your guess again, good as mine, but my prediction, I don't think they're going to call her. And the reason I don't think they're going to call her is even though I think the jury wants to hear her side of the story, I don't know if Elizabeth Holmes is going to be able to unbury herself from the things that she has said in the past. From a prosecutor's perspective, putting Elizabeth Holmes on the stand and giving the prosecution the right to question her and cross-examine her and put up the videotapes and all of the things that she has said to investors and, you know, and media outlets over the years, I think is going to be detrimental to her. The second reason I don't think she's going to testify is there's an old rule of law that the jury is instructed on. In the United States of America, you cannot be compelled to testify against yourself. You have the right to remain silent to avoid self-incrimination. And the prosecutor has to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. And if the defendant does not testify, the judge will instruct the jury that they cannot take her silence as a admission and they cannot use that silence against her in their deliberations. So from my perspective, I don't think she's testified. What about Sonny Balwani? Mr. You know, boyfriend slash COO slash co-defendant. Do you think he's going to take the stand? Again, my prediction? No. Uh, and I'll tell you why. He has his own criminal problems. His trial is scheduled in, in a few months from now. Anything he says can, and I promise you, will be used against him in his trial if he takes a stand in Elizabeth Holmes' trial. God forbid anything he says or anything he would say is not accurate because then not only does he open himself up for cross-examination in his trial, uh, but he also opens himself up to additional charges, for example, obstruction of justice for testifying uh, falsely. So from my opinion, I don't think he's going to testify. Well, what about all of the media personalities or, uh, or the journalists? John Carreyrou, do you think he'll testify? He's on the defense witness list, and I think I had made a prediction, you know, months back or weeks back in one of our other uh, videos that I thought the defense had put him on the witness list to keep him and all of the other media personalities out of the courtroom because the parties had agreed to invoke the rule of sequestration of witnesses so that one witness could not hear the testimony of another witness. Again, why would you call John Carew? He's the guy that wrote Bad Blood, you know, the book that broke the entire Theranos fraud scheme, if you would call it that. Uh, he's also the person that was uh, a member of the Wall Street Journal staff that did the initial interviews uh, with Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. So for me, I don't think they're going to put him on the stand. I don't think he's a good risk. Frankly, I don't know enough to tell you who I think the defense would call. I'm not sure if there's anybody out there that is so friendly and so positive for Elizabeth Holmes that would justify the risk of calling, realizing the government has the right to cross-examine them. 
So we shall see what the government puts on. It sounds like they're going to put on a case, so I'm as interested in you are in figuring out what's going to happen. You know, there's an old adage, and this adage comes out of the mob trials from the 1980s. Uh, and a lot of the mobsters that were indicted for conspiracy and racketeering, they were charged in big groups. And the big adage was, if we don't talk, we all walk. And the purpose being, as long as the government doesn't have any participants to a conspiracy or any participants to bad conduct to put up on the stand to point the finger and say, this is what I did and they were in it too, it's more difficult for the prosecution to get a conviction. So, Will this happen in this case? I don't know. Uh, we shall see, but I don't anticipate Elizabeth Holmes is going to testify. I don't think Sonny Balwani is going to testify. I don't think the defense is going to call any of the media personalities to come testify. From the prosecution's perspective, I'm not sure who's going to be on the list this week. Could it be Tyler Schultz? Sure could. Might it not be? Might not. So we'll see. You'll, uh, you'll be seeing it as I'm seeing it again. Thank you for watching. If you enjoyed this episode, give me a thumbs up. If you enjoy this series, if you're enjoying the other series that we do on high profile uh, court cases, please subscribe to our channel. Again, leave me questions, leave me comments below. Give me a little bit of latitude this week because again, we are in our own federal trial this week, so I'm not gonna be able to get uh, back to you and answer questions as quickly as we normally do. And we will see you back here next week and let's see what happens as Theranos rolls on. Thanks for watching this episode of The Lawyer You Know. If you like this content, please share it with your friends. Make sure you subscribe to our page and like our videos. If you want some interaction, get in the comments and we'll be sure to get back to you. If you want to know any more information about our firm or this page, you can find out in the description or visit tragoslaw.com. We post multiple times throughout the week, so make sure you hit that bell so you can get the notification and not miss out on the next episode.